Hello, and thank you for joining me. This is the Keen On Things podcast, hosted, unfortunately, by me. <laughs> I'm Patrick Keen. Somebody, and who else is going to host this thing, unfortunately, you know? 30 minutes a week of just utter slop. Just words falling out of my mouth. Words, words, words. I'm so sick of words. Email me if you know what that song's from. Or text, or Facebook, Insta. I mean, MySpace, through it all. Language used to confuse as much as it's used to connect. Right? Which is why in Japan, uh, when I didn't understand things, I loved living over there in Japan and Korea, because I didn't understand a lot of what was going on. And uh, you kind of um, dial in with the rest of the world. You dial in with nature. You dial in with people's um, nonverbal. You know? You ever seen a kid that gets your energy? They don't speak. Maybe they're two, three. They don't speak that much for and uh like ted cordova i saw ted cordova's his new baby she's just adorable and um ted nashley and uh yeah she gets it and you can kind of communicate with her i think she's about one and a half maybe maybe one walking and you can feel each other out you know she gets the vibe no words language used to confuse as much as it's used to connect crazy uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you had a great week. Hope you had a great weekend. Do we do weekends anymore or is it just continuous still? I feel like there's a little structure. What are we doing? I don't know. I got a text from my barber. It says her shop is back in business this week. So I'll definitely get in a cut, right? My hair is so coarse. Uh, taping a sketch on Saturday. So I have to look good or rather not look bad. You know, um, so something I wanted to mention last episode, I did Bistro K, the restaurant, Laguna Niguel, Katya, my friend's restaurant, with Augie Smith, Karen Rontowski, Dwayne Perkins. I forgot to say last week that coming off the stage, Dwayne had said something so interesting to me because it was an outdoor comedy show on the patio with people eating. It was fine. It was a good show. But he says, you know, I think comics and people in general don't realize how much experience you need to just survive and do a passable set at a show like that, at a room like that. Not a room outdoors, but... You just don't hear the laughter as much, yet people are really enjoying themselves. I think that's what I'm seeing more with these social distance outdoor shows. But it's so true. It's like you need to have seen a similar setup and audience like that a few times to deal with it properly. Just to come off as having a good set takes a ton of work and experience, right? It's not one of those shows where I can have people that do just fine. They did fine. You know, it was fine. I needed to go well. Better than fine. I can't be blaming the audience or the venue or the personnel, you know, but it's good because I see how a booker feels a little bit. Um, anyway, had a great week. Podcasted with Jeremy Webb, Josh McGinty, Ryan Hatch, some pals from Santa Margarita High School. They were a year behind me and two years behind me, and we did their podcast called The Jeremy Webisodes. That was so fun. They have a huge warehouse they tape it out of down there in Aliso Viejo. Old classic cars, several of them, and they're uh, going to eventually have shows down there and dinners. It's a whole thing. So check that out. Uh, I tried to watch Bullets Over Broadway, which is my fave uh, Woody Allen joint, and I couldn't find it. I could only, I could only find it on... Uh, you could only buy it on Blu-ray or VHS. I was like, what? All the crap you can get and you can't get like this? It's a classic blu-ray right i watched the smurf movie remember that years ago i watched that on blu-ray i couldn't see a damn thing thank you thank you yep revving it up that's my getaway car for when jokes don't land um crazy week guys 
we lost some great people. We lost Chadwick Boseman at his peak, the fine actor, uh, 43. Come on. He's serious. Col- was it colon or uh, prostate? I- I'm not sure. Um, God, he's so great. I didn't know he was Jackie Robinson, too. I'd forgotten about that. I just knew him as Black Panther and uh, James Brown, I believe. Cliff Robinson, the great blazer. Lute Olson from University of Arizona. Sorry to my friend Josh Frey. Um, that's his dojo, man. That's He was there, Wildcat Basketball. Reached their zenith in the 96-97 campaign, I believe, while he was there. Later that year, Josh was on my own national title softball team in the summer of 97. Co-ed, national champion softball team. Josh Frey, instrumental, could play any position. You need players like that. Utility to take you to the promised land. A lot of clowns on the team for comedic relief. That's fine. But also you need the people who know the game and will do anything for the team, even start a fight in the first inning against the best team in the league just to get a fire going. So hats off to you, Josh. I'm sorry. Rest in peace to loot. And I'm just finding out about the Georgetown coach, John Thompson. Both those guys won national championships uh, with their teams. Um, I did a therapy call this past week, a session via phone. Uh, I was going to maybe FaceTime it or Skype it. But uh, I was like, eh, I don't know. I'd rather uh, do it on the phone. You know, kind of like going to confession. I used to go to confession face to face because I wanted, you know, I wanted the juice. As I got older, when I did go, I'd go behind the screen. But that's funny. It was an hour long session of therapy. I was worried about filling the time. You know, I'm used to featuring. I'll headline some B rooms, but. Uh, you know, feature acts usually just do 25, 30 minutes, sometimes 20 opening. So uh, I was like, oh man, am I going to fulfill this? But you get deeper. You go in with that intention into the therapy session and you're like, this is what I want to talk about. And then you get deeper underneath it. You're like, oh wait, I'm done with that in three minutes and I'm getting to something else here in my brain. They're so intense. I need like a month or two before I go to another one. I try to take notes afterwards so I can let those kind of thoughts and discussions ruminate in in my brain a little bit. I don't just want to, you know, emotionally feel good like it was a pep rally. I want to have like cognitive growth, awareness, repair, all that stuff. Everyone should be in therapy. My friend Josh Weiner and I discuss this all the time. He's the one that kind of, he told me uh, for years that he was going and always telling people to go. And uh, finally I did. He's got an amazing pilot, by the way. Uh, he just put together. I'm so uh, impressed and happy for him. He won't be happy for himself until he sells it, but I'm happy for him. It's so good, man, this pilot. Anyway, we talk about the importance of therapy and getting another brain and another set of eyes and ears on your brain. It's imperative, even if um, you're religious, you know, whatever. It's only going to help. I, you can find therapists that are within your religion. You know, I can't say enough good things about getting a new perspective on these mental roadblocks we have that we put on ourselves, this clinging to not forgiving ourselves, not forgiving our loved ones, our parents, holding on to uh, the regrets and self-hate and the mistakes and preventing ourselves from moving on. You know, I finished that book, The Mastery of Love, and it's just so good. You know, fix yourself, the rest follows. Love yourself, okay? Not that everyone needs fixing at all, but just get off the notion that we're only complete when we have someone, you know, that we're imperfect and should be looking for someone at all times. That that's the, that's the mission in life. Find them, marry them, get the photos on the fridge, and then you're complete? No. Right? That's frosting. Get therapy. Go. All of us. All three of you listening to this podcast. Uh, it will only help. 
Josh told me for years, you know, I was having drinks with Dan Harmon, okay, at the Portland Comedy Festival. The guy created uh, Community, the TV, the hit show TV Community with Chevy Chase and Joel McHale and Dr. Ken and all them. Uh, he was at the Portland Comedy Festival and he couldn't believe we were having drinks. He couldn't believe I wasn't in therapy and that I'd never gone, you know. And um, he also got me hooked on Game of Thrones. That's when I started watching that. I was about four seasons in. But, uh, you know, we have family and partners and siblings and friends that we won't tell things to. Our best friends, our best partners. Okay? But things need telling. Therapy, man. You go at your own pace. They're there to help you help yourself. They're not going to do it for you. That's what's gnarly. You, you don't. You think you go in. Okay, can you fix this? It's like, oh no, you're going to have to fix that through changing your thoughts and shaping them around, uh, you know, good things and being at the highest point. I thought it would all just get fixed, but they don't, uh, you know, take away their responsibility. That's what's there. You got to deal with it. Um, but go, man. It's unbelievable. You know, there's no wrong way. That's what's so beautiful. Okay. Uh, Jacob, Bla Jacob Blake and the shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Just so blatant. Looks excessive. People want to know details and see the whole thing. I think we see enough. You know, why is the default to shoot and kill if they're black? Was your objective to stop him? Because you could have done that with a brain. Or was it to kill him? It's just absurd. I just saw another clip of a white cop wrestling with a guy in a grocery store a white guy who was resisting arrest no guns no shooting just like a tase a couple tases and then you know stop 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 he just stays patient with him you know i know even cops see that and they're shaking their heads okay i don't know like the guy was going for a knife and he has a rap sheet you can't fire a shot or two in the air as a warning i don't know i'm, I'm happy the players are protesting i think they should have gone longer I always wondered if black athletes would eventually hold, and all athletes, eventually hold America's sports entertainment hostage. Good for the athletes, black and white. Competing and entertaining, but not getting, you know, full love from the people they're competing and entertaining for. You know, it's okay if you win my team championships, but you're not dating my kid. You're not living in my neighborhood. No way. No way, man. I don't know the details of Jacob Blake, only what we saw in film, which is kind of enough. It's excessive. Seven bullets? You serious? That's all we needed to see. If he's a serial killer or has a machine gun and is shooting people in the streets, then fire away. Not if he's going for a knife. Oh, even though they didn't do that to someone who was those things because he was a chubby white kid. But they cuffed, uh, they cuffed Jacob Blake. He's paralyzed for now from the waist down. They had him cuffed from up until Saturday, which is just crazy. Okay. Going to talk now about uh, Jim Gaffigan, a great comic and actor. He had a nice explanation um, on Facebook last night that I read. Uh, he came out last week in a tirade of tweets against Agent Orange. It was a full-scale assault. What makes it a big deal is that this is a comedian, clean material, Christian, Catholic man, family, five kids, fans all across the board, all over the world, all across America, which it's tough to get, it's tough to get Americans on the same side, tougher than it is to get people from the other side of the world, different countries. It's amazing. Right, left, red, blue, conservative, liberal, all just crap labels, all that. He performed for the Pope, His Holiness. Someone who writes especially hard so that they can avoid this stuff and unite people. Someone who write, you know, he, 
He keeps it clean, which is tougher to do. Gets uh, the laughs, gets the following, and he writes that hard so he can bring people together, get people laughing from all walks of life and such, right? He stays away from politics. Irish Catholic guy, Midwest, small town, talks about food, fatherhood, being lazy. It's hilarious. Actor in a ton of things now, always delivers. I was able to be in a movie with him that Mike O'Connell made called The Living Wake. Also, Jesse Eisenberg, Eddie Pepitone. It was amazing. But if you go back and listen to Jim Gaffigan as a guest on shows, he always blew me away. He's not a passive guest, right? He always comes prepared. Uh, he's an active guest. He comes correct. He knows the workload that it took to get there. So he's not going to phone in appearance. He's not going to waste it, right? And he's going to be more candid on a talk show than you're used to, right? On Mark Marin, he's exceptional. He talked about stopping playing football at Georgetown. He played for a year. I think it was there. Um, or was it Villanova? One of those schools. Um, on Colbert, you know, when he was doing a show um, for the Pope right around that time, I think a Cardinal was on the panel. He was great. On Seinfeld's comedian sitting in cars getting coffee, you know, he came with the topics. He comes with stories. He was he comes with points of interest, right? Telling Jerry he was very meaningful in uh, his comeuppance. Uh, bef and, and just a personal story with Gaffigan. Before my dad died, I was helping my dad on a sales call in Phoenix, you know. I had just started comedy. He was um, selling religious goods and gifts. My dad was because that's what my family had a shop called Keen's Religious Goods and Gifts in Mission, in Mission Viejo in South Orange County, actually Lake Forest. And, um, you know, I just started new comedy. My dad had been to a few shows and he was not impressed. But he and my mom were very supportive. They came to the improv, even the comedy store. I mean, they saw some gritty stuff. And I don't know that his feeling for stand-up was that great, right? They were supportive. And we love the show, Seinfeld, our family. But comedy clubs are not for everybody. It's not the comedy club from the opening, you know, sequence of Seinfeld. And um, comedy's not for everybody. You know, comedy clubs aren't for everybody. Uh, comedy clubs sometimes aren't even for comics. Anyway, we're in Phoenix. I'm in, my, in Phoenix with my dad. And Jim Gaffigan uh, is playing there. And Tig is opening for him. And I convinced my dad to go see the show. He says, I can't do any more comedy, man. I've seen enough. I'm like, yeah, you'll like this. This is real, people. This is real comedy. It's not bottom-feeding shock comics that are just starting. So we go. It's the Tempe Improv. He loves it. You know, repeats lines from the show. I tell him, yeah, these are real stand-ups. You know, they do exist. Clean, but also quality. Uh, not, that, not that it's about that. Not that it's about clean. He actually went off on a heckler, Gaffigan did, and uh, it was awesome. Uh, we meet him after because uh, we're going to buy a CD, and my dad wants to meet him. And we wait until the end, kind of, you know, wait it out like Indiana Jones style uh, on the island. And this is an 05, because we were both about to do O'Connell's movie, The Living Wake, in Maine. And we meet Jim. I tell Jim that. I'm like, I'm going to be on that movie with you. And now we've met a few times before at that point. Ian Bag brought him to a room I used to run called the Bitter Redhead Bar. It's a bar in Santa Monica off Lincoln, now called the Trip Bar. And it was a fun show around the corner from Chris Fraticelli's place, my buddy. And Ian and Gaffigan are buddies. Ian did the show a lot. Says he's bringing Gaffigan. Jim was fantastic. In a tough room. One of those rooms where nuance is gone. Bar show. So really tough for people like Jim or Todd Barry or Maria Bamford, Tig, stuff like that. But he's great. Um, so I met him then. I also met Gaffigan when I was working on the Gilmore Girls on the Warner Brothers lot one day. 
I see him kind of wandering around. And I run up to him, and he's looking for a building that is, of course, impossible to find. And I walked him to the right place. I knew where these guys went for auditions and stuff. And it was interesting because he was telling me a certain club wouldn't book him. And he was doing a great impression of the person who ran that club. And uh, I couldn't believe they weren't booking him. That was like 05. And I'm like, what? This guy's already there, you know. But I'm sure they want him now or, or we're too late to the game. But um, it was like a second before he launched, you know. But uh, I couldn't believe that it was 05 and a club wouldn't book him. Anyway, by the time I see Jim in, in Arizona, it's the third time we've met. And, uh, you know, we're talking and my dad's a fan. And, you know, the Catholic Goods and Gift Shop was huge. And Jim was about to have his first child. And uh, my dad, and we're going to go film this movie in Maine in Kenny Bunk. And my dad gave me a bunch of um, teddy bears to, uh, like Catholic teddy bears, <laughs> to give to Jim. And so we all, we all fly back, right? We fly back to Maine for the movie a couple months later. Kenny Bunk. And so anyway, I gave the bears to Jim. And I think he was appreciative. And he, and he, and he retold his Wendy's joke, which is one of my favorites, uh, something about a doctor's appointment and the doctor giving him a bunch of instructions on some prescription. And all he could think was, did I have Wendy's once or twice this week? So funny. So funny. Um, but yeah, I just remember that very clearly, the the bears. I don't know if he remembers that, if he remembers getting little Catholic bears from Jerry Keene. But uh, it was great. And Jim was great in the movie. He plays uh, Mike's father in the flashback scenes. And it's fantastic. Kind of like the whole De Niro Pacino and Godfather 2. Anyway, Jim's just great. Um, and I shared on, on social media some of his rants and uh, about Agent Orange. And my point was, here's a clean, middle-of-the-road, non-bipartisan dude who is probably on the fence politically, like a majority of us, coming forward against this current president. And this should say it all. You know, because he's going to lose some fans, but feels it's important and necessary and may sway a lot of people, a lot of fence-sitters, or even people on the right. I love Bernie. I love Bernie Sanders. I don't know if he could pull people from the right, but um, Jim Gaffigan can. And he'll lose some idiots, which is fine. But uh, this is how extreme it is, you know, the situation that he, as a middle-of-the-road guy, feels the need to step in. And how serious, you know, this is a Christian Catholic man saying, you know, saying this stuff. This isn't like a left, lefty, leftist Hollywood liberal guy. And this could be a crack in the dam that causes a bigger flow of people from the middle coming out and trying to wake people up. We'll see. Comics are the exact people who should be communicating and commenting on politics. They travel. They have to make people laugh from all walks of life. They have to understand people from all walks of life and where they're coming from, blue, red markets. There's no way around it. Especially a clean comic has to work a little harder and may be a little more creative, right? This is a guy who plays arenas, comedy clubs, theaters, colleges, cruise ships, corporate gigs. Not a lot of comics can do that. Oh, and he can also go play a hipster room, you know, in Silver Lake or Brooklyn. All right. Very, very few comics can do that. 
comedian's job is to talk about all things comedians musicians you know when people make jokes about oh hollywood people in politics they really mean writers actors directors producers which is whatever i mean politics is for everyone to discuss right a lawyer or real estate agent knows more not necessarily not more than a comic an economist is someone i'd listen to over an actor probably you know but a comic is right there in the swing of things. And by the way, we've got an entertainer in office right now. So you voted for a reality star. You voted for a showbiz celebrity entertainer. Congratulations, you've just pulled the rug out from under your own feet. These networks, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, are not news. They are entertainment. They are not journalists. They are entertainers. Who do you think you're getting what you think is news from entertainers. You're getting your news from the WWF. This is Vince McMahon news, Hulk Hogan news. Anyway, it was great to see Gaffigan do this. Who knows what's next? I love some of the banter between he and his fans. Uh, some people jumping ship, but uh, more people jumping aboard. I think great dude, great comic, huge fan of the comedian and the man, Jim Gaffigan. Okay. We're at 21 minutes. Um, all right, we're wrapping we're wrapping this. We're 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 coming around the bend here. Uh, Lou Holtz is on Fox News, um, trying to invalidate Biden's Catholicism because who better to do it? You know, just shameful. With a huge smile on his face. My buddy Chris said it years ago when Holtz was uh, sports just started to be a sports commentator for college football on Saturdays with Mark May. They'd go at it. Uh, Holtz, my buddy's like Holtz has gone the way of the dodo bird, and uh, boy, nothing could be closer to the truth and is the truth that was so funny i loved lou holtz as a coach in the 80s 90s didn't mind him as a con man when he was a coach misleading the press but as a political correspondent consultant it's a little gross um i'll tell you man he made notre dame not only relevant but a competitor he won a title with them anytime you win a title with a team you probably could have should have won two or three uh, not that he came up short, but it usually takes a few cracks at it, a few times to be close in order to win just one. Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s are an anomaly. They went four times, six years, took the title every time, uh, and then they went away for a while. But usually it takes several tries to get there. Even Jimmy Johnson, man, he only won one title at Miami. Though he took over a national title team. He was close. He was close to winning three, maybe four in a row, but only one. That's how hard it is. Had he stayed with the Cowboys, I bet he wins four, maybe five. Cowboys in the 90s, man. They've been a, they may have been a four-peater. We're looking at a minimum of five feet. Maybe five. Four for sure. Maybe five. Raiders the 70s won title, even though they had seven AFC title games in the 70s. One Super Bowl. Andy Reid finally won one after about 10 trips to the conference title game. But, um, you know, that's crazy. That Lou Holtz... Uh, won all these bull games and conference titles and a national title with so many black athletes. And then is this stooge for Fox News. It's just a bummer. How much of that is Fox News taking advantage of just a well-known, well-liked, middle America persona, football personality? You know, that's, that's it. Holt's taking a nice payday? Sure. I wonder if his players are torn. You know, that level of success, though, is quite a bond. Unique. So maybe they overlooked that. I don't know. Or see it as a money grab and get it. Or maybe some are let down. I don't know. 
He's a great coach. He's a great speaker. My dad saw him twice. I saw him once. My dad took myself and Coach Hardigan, my high school football coach. We went and saw him in Long Beach. It was amazing, man. Especially for a kid. He was such a motivator, definitely suited for the college game. And by the time he took over at Notre Dame in the 85-86 offseason, he'd coached Arkansas, Minnesota, and the Jets. Uh, So he'd seen everything top to bottom, man. Having coached unsuccessfully in the pros can really help. Pete Carroll on his first go-round. Nick Saban, for sure. John Robinson went back. Never got the uh, success he had in the 70s. Once you know what's happening in the pros, I think you can go back down to college and, and really nail it. You know, it'd be interesting if John Gruden coached Notre Dame after the after the Raiders. I think he was a huge Notre Dame fan growing up. Went to Dayton. And uh, there was talk. There were rumors. Holtz's greatest, happiest victories, I think, might have come not the national title at Notre Dame, but when he was at South Carolina and beat Ohio State in a couple different bowl games. Because that's a team he couldn't get past when he was at Notre Dame. I think he was 0-2 at Notre Dame when he had to play those teams. Holt's Notre Dame teams went toe-to-toe with those great Miami teams who are the greatest of all time, in my mind. I think he was 2-2 and against Miami. I was so excited when he took over. Just business, smart. Again, a con man, but you didn't mind because it was your con man, right? Born in West Virginia, grew up in Lebanon, Ohio, I think. He used to leak to the press over complimentary false modesty about the other team. Yeah, I don't see how we're going to beat this Navy team, even though they've beaten Navy like 20 times in a row at that point, or Air Force. I don't know how we're going to stop this team that's 0-8. But I didn't mind. I was young. I was impressionable. It was my team. I still feel like he underutilized tight end Derek Brown, who was number 86, which is who I base my number off of. Just an incredible athlete and soccer player who was a starter as a freshman, or at least got a ton of playing time. He turned down Miami to go to Notre Dame. Derek Brown did. Had he gone to Miami, he would have played with another favorite tight end of mine, Rob Chudzinski, who was from Toledo. A year or two ahead of Eric, I think, ahead of Derek. I think Derek Brown, had he gone to Miami, he gets thrown to a lot more, develops more, and has a better pro career. But I've heard him in interviews. I don't think he's bummed at all. He's a freshman with Rocket Ishmael. He goes to Miami, I think. Derek goes to Miami, and he maybe gets taken by Jimmy Johnson when he's with the Cowboys, and then they have Derek and Jay Novacek. That would have been incredible. Who's still listening at this point? Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. Um, Talking about Notre Dame again. I can't tell you, though, being Catholic from the Midwest, even if you're not Catholic, if you're just from Midwest, you're a football fan, it's just... Especially, I mean, Toledo, we were two hours away. We were driving distance. <laughs> right on the border there. Watching that last game with Jerry Faust as Notre Dame coach in 1985, November 1985, at my Grandpa Ray's house on Fowler Court in Toledo, Ohio, with a ton of relatives, and they were obliterated. Notre Dame was obliterated by Miami. It's 58-7. Jimmy Johnson was the coach. It was a funeral. It was like America just lost a major battle. It was so quiet and somber. like It was like space shuttle disaster type thing. My Uncle Tom tried to break the silence. He's like, well, if it all evens out in the end, Notre Dame has a ton of more games to lose. Very wise. He's more of an Ohio State guy anyway, so whatever. But uh, they, would, they, would, they were showing the game that while, while Notre Dame's just giving up points and points and Miami's pouring it on, 58-7, it happens. And they're just going to Lou Holtz via satellite you know in his house and he's just like watching just like grinning he's like yeah i know he's 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 like drooling he just wants to start and he'd have him up and ready but holtz had them up and running his first season he had notre dame almost beating michigan and penn state his first year as a coach after these terrible faust campaigns 
you know, those teams were top three in the country. And then he won a national title in his third year, had a couple number two rankings, and just incredible teams. Sent a lot of guys to the pros. I try to remember nowadays that the teams Notre Dame are putting on the field are athletes, football players, who are young men. They had nothing to do with any molestation, so it's okay to root for them. I feel this Catholic guilt about rooting for Catholics. It's weird. If you're Catholic from the Midwest, especially like proximity to South Bend, and again, not even Catholic, just kind of follow them or family, just knowledge of the history of that program. It's very difficult to not fall under that spell. The campus, the history, the stadium, my 3.0 GPA and 4.8 40-yard dash were not getting me into Notre Dame, but I was still a huge fan. Uh, Anyway, Cian Holtz on Fox News just makes me sick, but whatever, it's all entertainment. Remember that. Uh, Okay, where are we here? Okay, we're wrapping this up. Interesting episode. I did not know we were going to be that heavy on weird stuff, but that's what this is. Okay, uh, it's time now, ladies and gentlemen, for Patrick Keene's Tweets of the Week. Yes, Patrick Keene's Tweets of the Week. On Monday, I tweeted, back to school shopping, all taking place at the liquor store this year. (laughs) Get it? All the stay-at-home stuff, the Zoom homeschooling stuff like that on tuesday i tweeted i did therapy this week and was worried about filling the time get it we talked about that within the content of the uh, podcast on wednesday i tweeted thinking about adding a sense of humor to my (laughs) stand-up pretty funny adding a you know it should kind of come with the territory but not necessarily on thursday i tweeted good good to see even though there's less stand-up comedy going on there's somehow more microphones in profile pics right just so you know, like a lot of people, they try comedy and uh, they do it once or twice and then their profile pick is them in a microphone. And it's a little annoying. It's like being a little more creative. Jesus. I mean, most comics don't have that, but uh, people that tried it once or twice do. But you know what? I have pictures up of me riding horse and I've ridden horse probably 10 or 12 times in my life. So I have pictures, more pictures of that than me doing stand up. So, uh, okay. On Friday, I tweeted, my friend found out that I've been doing a podcast for six months and thanked me for never telling him about it. That was my friend Chad, Chadwick. Hilarious, right? Found out I've been doing a podcast for six months. I didn't tell him about it, and he thanked me. So I thought that was funny. That's a true story. That was on Saturday. Okay, um, that was Keen's Tweets of the Week, guys. You like that, huh? That was nice, right? That was a real nice little way to end these episodes. Okay, sorry. All over the place again this week. Stream of consciousness. This thing's like a diary. This is why I don't plug plug it that much because i don't know how good this thing is but uh hopefully it's uh interesting and uh i don't know opens your mind's eyes or is therapeutic in some form thanks for joining keen on things podcast please subscribe so i can at least pretend that i have a following i'll try to never uh, go over half hour see you next week enjoy the journey laugh a lot and don't deny yourself pleasure as long as it's not hurting others okay yeah i don't know what that means love you thank you keen on things baby